Greetings, 501st Cast listeners. Welcome to 501st Cast Classics, where we re-release episodes from way back in the early years of our podcast. We hope you enjoy this little trip down memory lane. Because Tuscans always dial star 67 to hide their numbers, it's the 501st cast! We found a computer outlet, sir. Plug in. You should be able to interpret the entire Imperial network. You are listening to the 501st cast, the official podcast of the 501st Legion, the world's definitive Imperial costuming organization. You are tuned in to the latest news and mission reports from the front line as the men and women of Vader's Fist celebrate 10 years of promoting Star Wars, honing the art of costumes and props, and contributing to the community through charity and volunteer work. Welcome back once again to the 501st Cast, the official podcast of the 501st Legion. This is the episode for Wednesday, December 12th, 2007, episode 4, actually. And we have got... Uh, a new co-host joining us uh, tonight, and that would be Rich. Hello, everyone. You, Rich? Yes, I'm doing quite well. Normally, you never hear my tones on this because I'm the guy who's usually recording and doing all the editing. However, I was allowed to step forth and to toss my voice into the overall cast, and I just hope I don't let you guys down. Rich has got the sexiest voice. Well, well <laughs> excuse me. Present company, Barza. Rich has the oh, sexiest Oh, I I had no idea you thought that way. Okay. <laughs> We're going to be oh, slowing man, it down for the ladies tonight on the 501st. Oh, that's, just, that's just even worse, Dean. <laughs> it's like I said, 501st after dark. Oh, yeah. I am Dean, TK899. I am Varza, DZ8772. And I am Rich, IC9577. We're going to get rolling with this uh, episode, and this is going to be, hopefully this won't be terribly long, but we have got just a ton of mission reports. It's that time of year where we have a lot of events going on for the holidays, and it's just parades out the wazoo. Be sure to check out the show notes that we have at 501st.com slash podcast, and also be sure to check out our MySpace page, myspace.com slash 501st. One of the few bastions on MySpace that actually has good HTML. Well, there you go. And uh, yeah, Varza is responsible for that, so thank you, Varza, for maintaining that and keeping an eye on our all of our friends at MySpace. You know, Dean, we to give some props to our lady behind the scenes, Nikki. She pulled up the information, and as right of right now, we have 140 friends on our MySpace. I think that we should throw it out to the troopers to have a goal that at the end of the year, we should aim for 200 friends. So what I'm thinking is that out of all of our troopers out there, if we can get every person out there who knows a fellow trooper with a MySpace account that has not friended us yet, just tell one of your friends. And let's see if we can't break that 200 mark by the end of the year. We've got that little forward button and forward us to your friends. Exactly. We've even made it easy for you. All i got to say is that your goal sounds a lot better than my goal, which was to get 4,000 members by the end of the year. So, Well, we got to start small. <laughs> so by the end of the year, folks, we want 3,861 members. That's what we're aiming for of 501st. That's right. One, <laughs> tell one, one person. Member. You tell one person get them in, we're done. Look at that. Yes, our list is – our friends are growing. We're getting more and more friends. One day we'll be up there with like, you know, Tila Tequila or somebody. I see I have – All we need to do is put up some half-naked shots okay. of Dean up there and I think we'll be good. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we will be. <laughs> <laughs> right along. Uh, let me just give you a couple quick highlights of what we're going to talk about this evening. The, the recording of this episode, the 501st Legion, is at 3,860 members worldwide, with a total of 5,649 different costumes on record. This episode, we're going to be talking about 
the 501st in Star Wars Insider once again. And we're going to learn a little bit about the 501st party bus. And for those of you who remember the Rose Parade, we're quickly approaching the anniversary of that. But it's not 501st troopers on a bus going to a parade. It's something totally different. We're also talking about tons of parades and other charity events for the holidays, as I mentioned before. And then, of course, we have another giveaway at the end of this episode. So you got to listen to the whole thing, give you instructions to win some cool 501st swag. And this time, actually... It's some very cool stuff. It's actually a limited edition. Well, you'll have to wait. You'll have to hear it at the end of the episode. Let's go right along to recent news. The 501st in Star Wars Insider number 98 in the Bantha Tracks Best of 2000 edition. While the 501st is a common fixture in the Star Wars Insider magazine these days, the Legion received special recognition in the Bantha Tracks section of issue 98, That's the January-February 2008 issue. In this best-of-the-year installment, the 501st Legion was selected for Best Costumes, Worldwide Costuming Dominance, as well as Best Parade for the Tournament of Roses. While Vader's Fist is honored by these awards, we would be remiss if we didn't mention the winner of the Best New Droid category, R2-KT, who carries on a very important mission and inspires the 501st wherever she goes. R2-KT was created in 2005 by master droid builder Jerry Green with the help of the R2 Builders Group. She was built in honor of one very brave little girl named Katie Johnson who had brain cancer. It was Katie's wish to have a pink robot like R2-D2 from Star Wars, so Jerry and the R2 Builders created a -a one-of-a-kind droid named R2-KT. Recently, Jerry Green and the story of R2-KT made it into the news on NBC. Katie Johnson, a bubbly young girl from Maryland, was diagnosed with brain cancer when she was just six. Because she and her family were huge Star Wars fans, her sister, Allie, wanted to get an R2-D2 replica to watch over Katie as she went through cancer treatment, just as R2-D2 watched over Princess Amidala in Star Wars. And that's when Cranston resident Jerry Green got involved. The mechanical engineer is a member of a web-based club of people who build life-sized R2-D2s. The group immediately got to work on one for Katie. All the builders from all the world either supplied parts to me or money or help. They brought a pink life-sized R2-D2 to Katie, renamed R2-KT. And it's slept by her bed and talked to her and everything. Uh, Unfortunately, short time after, she passed away. Her father asked to continue using the pink R2-KT figure to visit children's hospitals to cheer up other cancer patients and keep Katie's memory alive. Hasbro and George Lucas heard what was going on and decided to help. Hasbro and Lucas got together. They both donated $100,000 to Make-A-Wish Foundation. In addition to the donation, They've created a miniature R2-KT action figure that will be sold at Star Wars conventions. It says R2-KT in love and memory of Katie Johnson. We even replicated that on the back of the droid, which I think was pretty neat. Have actual Hasbro and Lucas and everyone step up and do such a thing for this. It was was amazing. The pint-sized pink tribute, now a lasting memory to a life taken too soon. Kelly McGee, NBC10. R2-KT's mission is to entertain children, raise awareness of pediatric cancer, and raise money for such charities as the Make-A-Wish and Children's Cancer Fund. Her allies include the 501st Legion, Zig the Pig, the mascot for the Children's Chance, and the Palmetto Richland Children's Hospital. If you live in the southeastern United States and would like to have R2-KT appear at your event, 
please visit r2kt.com to contact Albin Johnson. The 501st made it onto the e-online gossip page. In an article for e's online gossip column, the question was asked, who are the most rabid, most passionate, most loyal fans in Hollywood? Is it the Trekkies, Claymates, Bragelina followers? The e-columnist included the 501st in her answer stated in part that Star Wars fans, like the Fighting 501st, are quite rabid in their affections. You know, <laughs> you know I think that's kind of like a backhanded compliment, isn't it? Uh, what they're doing, yeah. ta- you know, really equating yeah, us to... Uh, I was going to ask that. Or, are they, that or, or maybe they're just uh, you know, people who like to watch uh, some of the old uh, Rankin-Bass animated Christmas stuff naked. I'm not quite sure. That's kind of frightening. <laughs> I don't, I don't think so. I don't nope, think so. Nope, they're, they're for Clay Aiken. Wait a second. I didn't realize he had the a fans of Clay Aiken have a fans. name yet. We fans of Star Wars don't have one yet. I mean, you've got the Trekkies, the Bland, Brangelina followers and stuff like that, but I've heard everything no. bad from Star Warriors. I just, bad names. But Clay Aiken has his own fan group with a name? What is up with that? Well, that's the I, thing. You know, we have our own, you know, they're not talking about all Star Wars fans. They're just saying Star Wars fans like the Fightin' 501st. And I think it's kind of cool that they put the Fightin' part in there. I mean, very rarely do people in the media know that we are called the Fightin' 501st. And they link to us. They put a link to our website. They did link (laughs) to us. So, you know, they did acknowledge we're out there, but, you know, it's been 30 years and we still don't have a nickname for Star Wars fans. But I think it's because we're we're just all encompassing. There's just no way to. That's really true. Narrow you can't label us. You can't hold us down in one term. No, you can't. We're awesome. They're actually, you know, actually was. I think it was in Star Wars Insider recently that they had a question from one of the readers, one of the fans, who actually asked that specific question that Rich was just asking. You know, what's what's the term for? You know, general Star Wars fans, and I think that was one of the ones they threw around. You know, Star Warriors or whatever. You know, I'm not partial to that one, but um, okay. You know, okay, Rich, your your point is taken. I think that we do need an official term for fans. At least we know in the Imperial bad guy villain realm, Star Wars fans uh, with really cool. Besides, how many people really go around in parades dressed as Clay Aiken? I mean, you go, you That's know, you go to Dragon Con, you go to a convention, you see 500 stormtroopers marching down the, <laughs> no, the street. No that looks impressive. 500 Clay Aikens walking down the street, a little frightening. Uh, I think that would be pretty impressive. Dragon Con. The fighting Claymates. Guys, They're coming Con. at you. Stuff like yep. that happening all the time. The fighting Claymates. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's the Star Wars Imperial Troop Transporter that you put together. Batteries not included. Stormtroopers sold separately. What's that? It's my troop transporter. It makes five more sounds, too. Are you dead? Where are you? There's the laser cannon, stun gun, and stormtrooper. Did he say that? Oh, Dad. Star Wars Imperial Troop Transporter. Stormtroopers sold separately. New from Kenner artist and 501st honorary member Matt Bush, his fond memories of the Kenner 1979 Imperial Troop Transport Vehicle inspired his entry for the official hyperspace t-shirt contest. I've had it in my head for years that this image would be hysterical to paint and try to bring to life, and in honor of the 501st and all you do for events, parades, charities, and fandom in general, I thought it would be a hoot to present you guys and gals with a party bus. You guys deserve it, revealed Bush. Voting, of course, ends on December 12th, 2000... December 12th, 2007. Well... Okay, so it, it might be a little late, but it, it's really kind of the thought that counts, though. <laughs> we appreciate it, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's really cool because, uh, you know, sometimes uh, the artists, especially, they'll they'll do little things that are a tribute 
uh, to the 501st. And we, I don't know if we talked about this on the show before, but um, a lot of the, the, the posters and just artwork that appears on things is sort of like a little nod to the 501st. And, um, you know, there it, so much so that it led to a lot of confusion at some point that a lot of people think that our group name, uh, you know, was, was coming from the, the toys and the Lucasfilm fictional 501st when, in fact, it's the other way around. So Matt Bush, though, he's one of those, you know, great honorary members who's just loves to do stuff with the 501st. The voting ends on December 12th, which I think is when this podcast is supposed to be airing. So... Uh, you know, unless things change in the uh, the last few hours of the of the poll, I don't think the shirt's going to win. But I understand that we are in talks with Matt to try to see if maybe the design can be produced anyway as a 501st exclusive item. I don't know. We'll see what happens. According to what Nikki just sent us, is we're only at 14% of the votes on the shirt. Well, like I said, get out there and rock the vote as soon as you hear this podcast. Otherwise, yep, it's just going to be a You've got a couple minutes left. <laughs> Nobody else will have the shirt except for us. Okay. Although it seems that Nikki's pulled up some uh, possibly conflicting information that the poll may end on the 11th. So there's a little bit of uh, up and down as to when the actual ending of the uh, contest is. So we're going to have a link in the show notes. I would suggest everybody listening, go check it out just in case. Because for all we know, it may end on Christmas. Better safe than sorry. Go check it out. In some news about fanboys, the uh, the great Star Wars film that's coming out that everyone's been waiting for for oh gosh i don't know how long now but it keeps getting pushed back the release date keeps getting pushed back and pushed back we did get the inside word from director kyle newman and also from some of our 501st members who actually were on set for the initial filming well they just did some pickup shots i think as recently as maybe this past week they are moving forward and we hopefully will have an interview with kyle and maybe some of the cast and crew on a future podcast but that's just an update because i know we've got Kristen Bell is a friend of the Legion, and she, of course, is starring in the film. And many of our members had a big hand in playing bit parts here and there in the movie. And we've really developed a great relationship with Kyle Newman and, and a lot of the other cast members. So should be interesting, but that's going to have to go to a future podcast. If we're lucky, we'll see the movie sometime around June of 2008. Let's hope. It's going to be two almost two years and a couple of months after they finished the initial filming. And that's so. got to be brutal for, for those of you who are actually in the movie. You know, <laughs> you've really anticipated seeing yourselves on the big screen. So just wait a little longer. A little bit longer. Hear what's and- going on with the those guys and hopefully it won't be kind of like the wait that we had between return of the jedi and episode one and then be just as disappointed i don't know it should be pretty cool the main thing is that this is a movie about star wars fans that really is by star wars fans and i think uh you know no matter how it does in the theaters um i can pretty much guarantee that you know people who are fans of star wars are going to want to have a copy of this in their own library well, let's move right along to uh, another episode of A Different Point of View from TD-0013. What I told you was true from a certain point of view. A certain point of view? The biggest feather in every rebel sympathizer's cap has to be the destruction of the planet Alderaan. It's always being argued that it was a peaceful planet, and that it had no weapons, and that it was otherwise an unarmed, innocent target that was arbitrarily vaporized by the Empire for no reason whatsoever. 
This is grade A bantha crap, my friends. What do we know about the planet Alderaan? We know that it was the home of Senator Leia Organa, who held the rank of Princess of the Planet. We also know that the planet's ruler was one Bail Organa, Leia's father. We know that Bail had absolutely no love for the Senate, and even less love for the new direction the galaxy was heading. Bail was also involved with the abduction of Skywalker's children, Luke and Leia. Deception is what this guy's all about, kiddies, and he runs the whole planet. Bail was also a high-ranking member of the Rebellion, and it could be argued that Alderaan was being used by the Rebellion as a staging grounds of sorts. We know for a fact that the stolen plans to the Death Star were being brought there by Leia, using her political stature and inherent diplomatic immunity to skirt past the Imperial blockades on missions that aided beleaguered rebel units. She was going to Alderaan to hand-deliver the stolen plans to who? Her father, Bail Organa. Why? Because Bail had people working for him who knew how to break the encryption so that a weakness in the battle station could be found. Now why would Bail do such a thing? Because he was a rebel terrorist, plain and simple. And if the planet's leader is a rebel, then it's a safe bet that he was using the planet as a secret rebel base. Which would make it not only a threat to security, but a legitimate military target. It can also be argued that Grand Moff Wilhelm Tarkin acted of his own free will and blew up the planet without the consent of the Emperor. Yes, Vader was present, but Tarkin's rank was obviously higher than even the Sith Lord in matters of military operations. We know this because Tarkin barked orders at even Vader without any repercussions whatsoever. And everyone knows that you don't disrespect the man in black. He was a Jedi at one time, after all, and we all know what happens when you piss off a Jedi. Some members in the high ranks of the Empire even question whether Tarkin's methods were merely bids to aggrandize his own status in defiance of the Emperor's ultimate goal. It could be said that the Empire didn't destroy Alderaan, Tarkin did of his own accord, which no one will ever know because he was killed by the Rebellion before the Empire could begin any investigation on this rogue agent. Nope. The way I see it, the Empire is free from blame on Alderaan. Blame one man. Or even better, blame the Organas and the Rebellion. They destroyed Alderaan. I'm TD0013, and this has been A Different Point of View. The following has been a presentation of a different point of view. All rights reserved. The opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect those of the Empire or its subsidiary systems. Uploading and linking with your visor, sir. The Costa Rica outpost, with some help from a couple rebel friends, trooped the annual telethon. This fundraiser helped support Costa Rica's National Children's Hospital. Their first mission was at the Paseo de la de las Flores Mall, trooping the mall corridors and food court to raise money for the cause. Thanks to Eduardo, ID 5494, for that report. Overall, the telethon has raised over 835,440 U.S. dollars, and that's surpassing its goal of $800,000. Wow, that's fantastic. And I know this has been going yeah. on 
for uh, for the past couple of weeks. I think, uh, in fact, last episode of the 501st cast, we were going to mention something about it, but it came in at the last minute. So this has been uh, been going on and apparently going very well. Very, very well. And this is still going on. When's it going on till, if it's still going on? We'll have to ask our behind-the-scenes probe droid, Nikki, to do a little bit more research on that. But I do know that there is a nice video that the Costa Rica outpost put together, and we can put a link to that in our show notes. Now, here's something I bet you guys have never seen before. Have you ever seen, and I, I want you to visualize this, imagine stormtroopers, possibly even snowtroopers, in front of a shopping center with a little red basket ringing bells for the Salvation Army. Now, if you guys have never seen that before, uh, the Aurora Borealis Alaskan Outpost, they were able to make the front page news in the Juno Empire. Yes, that is actually the name of the paper in Juno, Alaska, for the volunteer shift for the Salvation Army that they did. Um, on December 5th, in temperatures of about 4 degrees Fahrenheit, oof, three brave members of the outpost stood outside the local Walmart for about three hours. Spooks TS-7107 reported that Derek, TI-7108's Vader mask, had an icicle hanging on the bottom from the condensation of his breath. Her snowtrooper cowl had a layer of ice on the inside and was frozen solid. After a couple of hours, her hands were too numb to even hand out the tattoos anymore. Sandra, TA-2783, was unable to feel her hands or feet afterwards and had ice on the inside of her helmet, too. Thankfully, Derek's mom came to the rescue with a warm vehicle and a hot chocolate to warm them up after their shift was through. Uh, thank you very much, Spooks, TS-7107, for that report. Now, all over the country, we always have a lot of people that are out there kind of helping out. All of us troopers, we always go out there and try to do what we can. But to see some of our folks out there in such horrible temperatures, not just the heat, like some of the folks from uh, you know the New Mexico uh, and, and Arizona area, but for some of these people to actually get in Alaska in temperatures that are below freezing are actually out there to help raise money for the Salvation Army, I think is fantastic. It is fantastic. Yeah, I'd like to add that um, one below zero troop is required for every member per year. So if anybody out there is thinking about joining, just make sure that um, you know, you've know you got nice thermal underwear and everything. <laughs> well, I'm going to have to become inactive. It doesn't ever get that cold here. No, I, I mean, I love total the- props. I mean, that's hardcore to be out there for three hours in that freezing temperatures like that. No, actually, Thank you, right, Derek's right. mom. Yeah, I, I was going to say thanks, Derek's mom. You came to the rescue. That was awesome with the, the warm vehicle and hot chocolate. It reminds me of the um, uh, what was it? The, the Triumph, the Wonder Dog. Triumph. Uh, thing, right. Anyway, and which button do I push to call your mom? <laughs> so luckily, Vader's chess box was working that day. Yes. <laughs> but anyway, no. I mean no, that I, that really is awesome, I mean, and that does show that does show dedication. And it shows passion, you know, and that's really what we do. Mm-hmm. We get out there and to do stuff like this. Um, yeah, certainly there's a, you know, there, there's an element to it that we just we we like to make a spectacle of ourselves. Um, but man, we are gluttons for punishment. And there was another mission report that I read. I think it was uh, in the Midwest garrison where um, where the Boba Fett actually had icicles also hanging down from from the front of his uh, his helmet. And we've got pictures of that somewhere. But um, it's getting cold, guys. You know, winter's here. So you said that they like to make a spectacle of themselves. It seemed like they wanted to make an icicle of themselves, huh? Uh, guys, are you with me on this one? Mm, no, yeah. that was really bad. I, <laughs> I was below the hard deck, saw the shot, I took it, I thought it was safe. 
All right, well, moving right along, we have another report here <laughs> from the German garrison. And uh, I love these these international reports. I mean, again, remember, even though we are podcasting in, in English, um, you know, when we've got so many different units across the U.S., but we've got, you know, thousands more members around the world as well. So I love these international reports. Uh, on December 8th, 11 members of the German garrison participated in a five-hour troop at Heidelberg's Media Market, a large entertainment store. Over the course of the event, over 700 pictures were taken of the garrison members and the shoppers who had come to visit them. Schaff, TR8010, commented that the German garrison is pretty used to being the center of attention, but this event was unbelievable, with camera flashes everywhere. One of the photos was taken of two royal guards standing on either side of an enormous TV playing a scene featuring the second Death Star in Return of the Jedi. Schaff reported that the TV was selling for 80,000 euros, and for you Americans, that's over $117,000. Good Lord. In appreciation for the German garrison's appearance, the store donated 300 euros, almost 440 U.S. dollars, towards Die Wald Puritan, a camp for children suffering from cancer. Thanks to Christian, TK2628, for that report. Do they get the rebel, the Royal Guards with the TV? <laughs> Jeep is like, sure, yeah, we'll throw them in. <laughs> anything, anything for charity, you know. And speaking of December 8th, 15 troopers from the Star Garrison in Texas made a six-hour appearance at the Space Center in Houston. As we mentioned last episode, this exhibit showcased the original prop lightsaber that Mark Hamill used in Return of the Jedi that flew into space and back with the shuttle Discovery. Also on display were Luke's Return of the Jedi costume and the life-size... X-Wing fighter. In addition to the traditional posing for photos, two brave members also performed in three stage shows where kids and their parents danced to cantina music and answered trivia questions for prizes. The director of the Space Center Houston told us that on a good Saturday, they would have had about 2,000 visitors. The weekend the Star Garrison appeared, they had over 4,000 visitors. Thanks to Ian TK fourteen twenty for that report. And uh, just a comment on that X wing fighter. Um, it's actually slightly smaller than than life size. If I'm not mistaken, that is the uh, fan restored replica X wing that you typically would see at uh, uh, I think Star Wars weekends they had it there one time in Disney in yeah. Florida and at the celebration events that they had. Yeah. And I think that's maintained by what Mountain Garrison, right? Mountain Garrison, uh, Mountain Garrison, Rocky Mountain Fair for Fan Force, the R2 builders here out of, Den- out of Denver, and the Rebel Legion. It's a collaborative effort from all of them. It basically, it's a 3-4 scale, and it's the X-Wing that premiered at Celebration 1, and they left it at the, at the museum. And it was pretty broken up, and they all decided to get together and rebuild it, and they maintain it and take care of it when it's at shows and things like that. So Very cool. Yeah, if you actually look on it, they actually have some of the members from the Bible First and Rebel Legion have passed away since they started doing it um, from all over the world. They have their names on there in Arabesh. So it's a, it's a huge effort that they do, and they maintain it because it gets broken a lot because it doesn't get handled with kid gloves like it should sometimes. Right, right. And I think there's also uh, actors' uh, signatures on the side of it, too. I think I've seen pictures of some of the different actors going ahead and signing their names on it, which is kind of yeah. cool. So this, this moving exhibit kind of becomes um, a collectible in itself, you know? Yeah. 
I saw it at Celebration 3. A friend of mine had made, I believe it was the Rogue Squadron dress uniforms and uh, for her and a, a bunch of us friends. And we also got one to Mike Stackpole and had him get in it, and we all took our picture in front of the uh, X-wing at C three, and that was that was really awesome. It's it's just a little bit smaller, like, like I said, it's about three quarter size, but it's still yeah. really impressive to see. All right, and speaking of space museums, the Central Garrison, which covers North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska, Iowa, and Minnesota, trooped at the Strategic Air and Space Museum this past weekend to support Operation Hometown Fallujah. The museum manager is currently overseas in Fallujah, Iraq, and coworkers here in Ashland, Nebraska are accepting donations of clothing, stuffed animals, sport equipment, and more to ship over to Iraq. At this event, visitors got to have their picture taken with Santa inside the museum's FB-111, as well as, of course, uh, meet and greet with the 501st. Now, Dean, you mentioned earlier that the FB-111 is a uh, what is it, a 1960s bomber? Uh, from what I understand, that's what it is, and this is um, you know, obviously... Each museum, uh, you know, space and air museums, they always have these, you know, fantastic um, restored, you know, vintage aircraft. And that just happens to be, I think, one of their their token displays that, you know, apparently it's um, very well restored and um, a pretty big deal, actually, if you go there. It's a must-see. And that's one of the awesome things. You know, obviously, we're not going to get political on this podcast, but whether you like it or not, we've got folks over there that are really missing their families. And so if there's anything that you can do to kind of send them a little bit of home, I would say go out there and try to find a way. Sometimes our garrison members uh, know of organizations doing that. Sometimes just local charities know of ways to do that. So whether or not you, you like the like what's going on over there, remember some of our brothers and sisters are over there. And I think that uh, being able to send them a little piece of home, let them know that, you know that there are people that care about them, I think is a really good thing, especially this time of year with the holidays rolling around. Absolutely. Oh, definitely. Well, in the uh, Midwest Garrison, for the fourth year in a row, uh, they attended a ToyCon charity toy show in Illinois. This show benefits the Children's Treasure Chest for Pediatric Oncology, which provides toys to children undergoing cancer treatments. The Garrison's mission was to raise funds to go towards gift cards to purchase those toys. This year, they raised at least $270. Every year, the garrison has two special fans who make a special trip to attend the show in their very own quality costumes made by their father. This year, there were Commander Gree and a Biker Scout. Thanks to Phyllis TK1951 for that report. And I just wanted to touch base on this uh, on these costumes that that were mentioned there. You know, not to not to overshadow uh, the charity aspect, but it's really cool that. You know, our fans, we've got some very young fans, and as we just mentioned in this little story, um, the father, I believe he doesn't have a costume of his own, or he'd probably be a member of the 501st Midwest Garrison, but um, he produces these costumes for his kids, and we get, we get reports from our members who see them and say, man, those are just awesome costumes. And we talked about this before, it's like the, uh, you know, we, we've reached that point in, uh, you know, the evolution of Star Wars costuming. The kids are getting some really very cool stuff, stuff that you would never imagine having way back. That's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at the pictures right now. It's so cute. I was lazy. I didn't look at the pictures earlier, so <laughs> I had to look at them during the podcast. Members of the Bloodfitting Garrison, representing the great state of Indiana, participated for the second year in a row with the We Care Fundraiser in Kokomo. The annual 48-hour charity auction, telethon, and fundraiser ended Sunday, bringing in a total of $317,951.73. 
Troops were stationed at a four-way stop and collected money from cars as they drove by. In three hours, the troops were able to collect $1,367.32. Our bodies were cold as we trooped, but our hearts were warm, reported Ron TK2769. Also thanks to Charlie TK709 for coordinating the events. So, wow, that's a... <laughs> Well, there you go Another again. Big, There's troopers big. out there uh, in the uh, the barren cold for a good cause. Yeah. And what's amazing about this uh, this organization that they did work for, being an all volunteer organization, it actually disperses those fu- funds among five separate organizations. So that way, it's not just one large one. It actually kind of spreads it out to the area. So that way, it's not just about the food. It can be in the form of food, toys, and clothing, and other things for the less fortunate. So it's one of those things where not only are we gathering together, but also it looks like a lot of the local charities are gathering together. Very cool. And it's fantastic that we keep getting these mission reports where they're reporting uh, how much money they are raising for charity. And this really is, you know, this really is the time of year when people are in the spirit. And uh, for us in armor, it's really no different. And you know, uh, just occurred to me that this would be a good trivia question for this episode. Um, what is the total amount of money in, let's say, U.S. dollars that was reported? On this episode of the 501st cast, as going towards charity. And of course, um, you know, keep in mind that we're just talking about the events that we've discussed here on the podcast. And uh, the 501st is constantly out there, and the dollar amounts, you know, we really need to get that going where we can show uh, a very rough uh, amount of money that we are actually raising, you know, in all the events that we're doing all around the world. Um, so many events aren't reported. Um, on our local forums and don't make it onto the 501st cast. So um, the numbers are probably staggering. But uh, the trivia question for this episode then will be, what is the total amount of money donated, or I'm sorry, uh, uh, collected, I guess, for charity as reported on this episode in U.S. dollars? And uh, count your pennies too. And yes, this means you have to listen to the rest of the episode. And yes, it might mean you have to listen to this episode more than once. And the first person to post a response as a comment on our show notes at 501st.com slash podcast um, will be the winner. And please, uh, previous winners are not eligible. And, um, and please do post in the correct thread. We've had some people post contest answers in uh, in like episode one or episode two uh, comment areas on that podcast page. So make sure it's for episode four, which is this episode you're yep. listening to right now. It must be posted in the correct episode thread. Otherwise, we'll think it's for another episode and it won't count. And your prize, because it is the season of giving, is going to be a limited edition 501st Legion 2007 Christmas ornament, uh, which actually is a very cool um bulb-shaped thing that's going to look great on some sort of hanging holiday-type thing, like a tree. <laughs> and um, Don't get so technical. We uh, might have some people technical? that that might validate their religion. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, it's gonna, the, the ornament is fantastic and is our uh, 10th anniversary 501st Legion logo. Um, and these are professionally screen-printed and really only av- available to members of the 501st. Uh, however... Again, we are allowed to give them away, not sell them to non-members. So if you are a lucky winner, um, you'll get one of these, hopefully in time for the holidays. However, it is available via a bribe if you want to be the winner for... 
Oh, wait, sorry. Are we not supposed to mention that on the show? Moving right along. Uh, we may be under attack here in just a second. Yes, I was afraid of it. Stormtroopers. Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> there they are. We can't have a Christmas parade without them. I mean, we've had dragons, football players, stormtroopers. Many, many parades have tried and failed to work in stormtroopers, but tonight, I think we did it successfully. But somehow, it all comes together very nicely. Well, we planned this because you have to have the stormtroopers because look who they're in front of. The man himself. Uh-huh. Ken Jones and the Walmart company are they the official like, a... secret service for Santa? <laughs> they are. Nobody messes with Santa when the stormtroopers are here. And I like that they've tried to soften their image with elf hats and Santa hats. Just to give them that warm, fuzzy holiday feel. A little less know? menacing. All right, we're going to take one more short break right here. But we'll come back for a big finale with you-know-who to uh, wrap up this year's Pensacola Christmas Parade. Just a Warm and fuzzy. I love it. Warm and fuzzy. We are the Fighting Five O First. We inspire fear. I love in the it. Hearts of the denizens of the Empire. They are terrified of us, and yet Santa hats are enough to make us cute and adorable. I don't get it. <laughs> well, you know, you can't help it. I mean, especially when you see all those little kids that just run up to the stormtroopers and give them big hugs. Because they exactly. just love you guys so much. It's exactly. So That's what we should be doing. You know what? When a kid does that, we should take the first kid, crack him in the back of the head with our blaster to set an example for the rest of oh. To maintain our fearful Im- – you know, that's probably not going to help with the charity gigs, I guess. No, I don't we think that helps should. too much with the charity we, events. We to, although, you know, uh, I was at Balticon last year, and they have a Star Wars LARP, and I told uh, one of my buddies who's also a, a fellow brother in armor, uh, he's got some stealth armor. I told him that, hey, we, you know, we should have brought our gear, and then we could just walk around and crack the, all the Jedis in the back of the head with our blasters. Like, you want a LARP? Let's bring it for real, buddy. Crack. <laughs> but we didn't. But what you just heard was the uh, lively commentary from the local NBC news affiliate on December 8, 2007. As members of the Parsia squad of the Florida Garrison and the Alabama Garrison, assisted by some rebel scum, marched in the annual Christmas parade through downtown Pensacola in the panhandle of Florida. Our troops received a huge reception from the kids this year who enjoyed the candy throws and or the candy that was thrown and handshakes from their Imperial heroes. Ah, finally, somebody's got it right. ENRC7197 reports that it was 70 degrees Fahrenheit, which is 21 degrees Celsius for our Canadian friends, at parade time. That's Christmas in Florida for you. I love it, man. I, just, I, th- I think that audio clip right there is just... Um I mean, it's great. What, what did the, the lady say? You can't have a Christmas parade without stormtroopers. It's like the perfect lead into this whole section because, man, we have got parades and parades and parades, like I said in the beginning of this podcast. Um, in fact, the it's next. true. I remember Norman Rockwell actually painted uh, a wonderful scene of Santa kind of in a parade, and there were stormtroopers in front of. A lot of people don't know that. That's, one of, that's from his hidden collection, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. It's. Kind of his, uh, he was trying. Norman Rockwell was trying to branch into sci-fi for a little while. He was hoping to get to do some, you know, Asimov covers and whatnot for his books, but it just never really panned out for him. Nope. I wonder how much that would be worth. I'd love to have that though. <laughs> exactly. Give it to my mom. She collects Norman Rockwell. So. <laughs> you know, the Darth Vader Van Gogh is is probably one of the funniest ones. It's got no ear on one side. <laughs> I thought he. I had his ears, or did they burn off? <laughs> 
Well, I, you know, that's a tough call. I don't, I don't really know. I mean, you don't see too many people trying to lift up the back end just to yell into Vader's ear. No, I that's don't think That's so. disgusting. <laughs> Last episode of the 501st cast, we covered the honorary member induction of Star Wars actor Anthony Forrest, who played the Moss Eisley Move Along Sand Trooper. Well, it turns out that honorary memberships in the 501st Legion aren't all fun and games, and the Southern California garrison put Anthony right to work in the Laguna Niguel Holiday Parade on December 8th. Busy day this year. Anthony, with his 501st gifted Sand Trooper helmet on his knee, rode in a motorcade beside other celebrities such as baseball's Tommy Lasorda and Kate Flannery of NBC's The Office, who scrambled with glee to get pictures with the troops. Blasting music from 1980's A Christmas in the Stars album, the Southern California Garrison also put together this custom audio clip just for the parade. Greetings, I am C-3PO, Human-Cyborg Relations, and this is my counterpart, R2-D2. It is our great pleasure to be here in the 2008 Laguna Niguel Holiday Parade. On behalf of all of us from the Star Wars universe, we wish you happy holidays from our galaxy to yours. May the spirit of the season and the force be with you always. Thanks to Wellington, TK1755, and Sean, TK5967, for this report. Earlier this month, on December 1st, the Florida Garrison with the Rebel Legion marched in St. Petersburg, Florida's Christmas Parade. Some of the troopers went all out dressing up for the occasion. In addition to their armor, some added Santa hats, carried large red sacks. One stormtrooper even wore curly toes, elf shoes, and a hat while marching. Wow, I want to see pictures of that. Hey, I think we've got a clip to the YouTube video, actually, uh, on the, uh, in the show notes. Oh, y'all check that out. I mean, it's not every day you see a stormtrooper with curly elf shoes on him. <laughs> I'm telling you, this this time I'm of sorry. year, that's all you're going to see. You go to YouTube and you look for stormtroopers and like uh, Christmas parade. That's all you see: is troopers wearing the elf hats and the uh, you know carrying the bags and all that stuff. Very. Festive. Well, it's not every day you get to dress up in costume, you know. So you you get that opportunity to dress up in costume that day. Well, you know, the the point is that uh, the five hundred first does have a uh, sense of humor. You know, people. You know, of course, we get some flack. You know, we're we're adults dressing in these these costumes, you know, the plastic, the Tupperware, whatever you want to call it. But um, but yeah, we've got a sense of humor. We can laugh at ourselves, and this is just one of those opportunities where we get out there and we take the uh, you know the Star Wars characters and put a little fun twist to it. And I'll tell you, you know, we love it. We have fun doing it. The uh, the audience loves it. The kids love it, and um, we're just going to keep on doing it. Canon or well, not no. canon. Well, now, are we sure that it's actual troopers doing that, and not just some of the uh, the elves from the uh, from the North Pole come down in like mech suits that just happen to look, look like stormtroopers? Because that would be kind of cool. Not quite sure where you're going with that one. <laughs> Maybe two elves standing on each other's shoulders in in the armor. Uh, yes. um, I'm just trying to maintain. We're supposed to be fearsome and scary. They're, they're, they're stormtrooper Godzillas. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, stormtroopers, run! 
And as we mentioned in the last episode, Garrison Tyrannis of Virginia teamed up with the Rebel Legion for the Ucrops Richmond Christmas Parade. Between the two groups, they had almost 50 different costumers march. Now, of course, if you want to see that, we've got a link to the YouTube video on our show notes. Not since the Battle of Hoth have Imperial troops faced such daunting weather as they did on the streets of Fairbury, Illinois, for the Christmas parade on December 1st. Sleet and freezing rain did not sway the Midwest Garrison's troop from thrilling the populace with who lined the streets, buildings, and safe dry cars. Seven boxes of nearly frozen marshmallows found their way into the clutching frozen hands of young, younglings. When all the cold and ice had been removed from their gear, these stalwart warriors in plastic had once again brought their love of Star Wars to the icy wastes of central Illinois. Thank you to Jim TI3853 for the report. Along with their mission report, they posted a photo of a Boba Fett, Mark BH4265, who had icicles hanging off his helmet by the end of the parade. Well, there it is. That's the one that I was talking about earlier. So yes, we've, uh, this is like the, the, uh, the frozen helmet episode of the 501st cast. Yes. <laughs> and by the way, uh, I, I know that sounded a little bit strange probably to our listeners, but uh, there was a reference to seven boxes of nearly frozen marshmallows. Well, uh, from what I understand, we have a uh, Midwest Garrison member up there who actually works for a marshmallow company. So that's one of the giveaways that they're frequent, frequently using in, uh, in parades. They're tossing out marshmallows. So I just thought it was kind oh, of a bizarre cool. marshmallow reference in there. Wanted to give a little yeah. bit more explanation there. Yeah, I kind of stumbled over that because I was just like, frozen marshmallows. Right. And I think uh, Nikki is reporting that 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 is our Stay Puff Marshmallow Trooper, Tom, TK118. So thank you, Tom. Very cool. Why did I become an Imperial soldier? Let's just say I was made to do this. I've seen the entire galaxy. Ord Mandel, done to weep. This is a brave new world, and I'm on the front line. That guy next to you, he's not just a fellow soldier. He's like a brother. Same with the guy next to him, the guy next to him. Sure, it gets rough sometimes, but that's what we do. We keep the peace, and we keep people safe. Hey, they might not like it, and they might resist, but in the long run, we know what's best for them. How do I know? Because I'm an Imperial Stormtrooper, and I make a difference. The Imperial Army. Protect, serve, and quell. That's who we are. That's what we do. An army... Of one. Updating location to objective tracker. Here's a couple of events that our fans and uh, and members have to look forward to in the coming months. The Bast Alpha Squad, which is part of the Star Garrison, Texas, operates out of Louisiana, and they will be marching in the Crew of Tux Parade in New Orleans on Saturday, February second. Riding with them in a convertible provided by one of the parade's sponsors will be none other than Chewbacca himself, Peter Mayhew, and his wife, Angie, who are uh, both good, fantastic, honorary friends of the Legion. And um, this is just one of those events that it's still a ways out, but we thought we'd give you a heads up in case uh, you were heading to uh, Mardi Gras. Uh, How cool would that be to go to Mardi Gras and see Chewbacca? And if I'm not mistaken, the Bast Alpha Squad also produces... Uh, limited edition 501st Mardi Gras beads. And um, Ooh, so cool. it's like one of the only, well, it is the only place in the world, actually, you can get those. And again, they're free if you can catch them. Show your stuff. Get some beads. 
Yeah, what do you have to take off to get those? Just your bucket, or do you have to disrobe part of your armor? All right, show us your just your bucket. No, oh, just the bucket. <laughs> All right, show just- us your Under Armour. <laughs> All right, keep it PG. Troopers gone wild. And if you can't make your way to New Orleans for Mardi Gras on the weekend in February, you can head to Phoenix Comic Con on January 26th and 27th where Peter Mayhew and Jeremy Bullock will be among the many guests at the event. Um, The very interesting thing is Peter Mayhew's appearance at the con will be made possible by generous support from the local 501st chapter, the Dune Sea Garrison. And I suspect that's Phoenix, Arizona. That is Phoenix, Arizona. Yes, it is. I wonder what that so means was, exactly. Uh, the, the made possible, but we have to. We'll get more information as we get closer to the event. But uh, I think yeah. the interesting point that you were trying to make is that a lot of the times it's the convention uh, organizers who actually uh, pay to have the special guests come in, either uh, yep. fly in and put them up in a hotel. So I'm wondering what the Dune Sea Garrison out in Arizona, what they're doing special for Peter and Angie, or maybe it's just Peter. Well, Maybe one of the members can uh, send us a little comment or a PM on the boards and let us know um, a little bit more about it. Because, yeah, this is, I mean, and these are two big names from the Star Wars universe that are going to be at this convention. It's a, not a huge convention, but it's um, it's a pretty decent size. I mean, if you like comic books, you, you go. I mean, it's and it's inexpensive. It's only $25 for the weekend. Good deal. Okay, and as we wind down this episode of the 501st cast... We wanted to include a new feature, and this is some recent feedback that we've received through the comment form on 501st.com. We get a lot of letters from fans uh, and prospective members asking all kinds of questions, anything from, you know, where do you buy the armor to, uh, you know, what's it like to wear the costumes to, uh, well, I'll tell you what. Here's a couple of them uh, right now. We'll start off with uh, Rich has one from Nick. Nick writes us. Actually, I I think maybe I should do this like Casey Kasem. (laughs) A long-distance dedication from Nick. Hey, 501. Never mind. Uh, (laughs) I don't. You you got to. You got to do it. You want me to go for it? All right. You got to do it. Yeah, it can be whatever. All right. What I'm going to try to do is, I think I should read this like Casey Kasem. We've got a long-distance dedication from Nick. Nick writes in. Hi, 501st. A small group was at our Christmas parade, and I was struck with awe. I got a few more years to wait before I can apply. Age, limit, blah. But I can't wait. Thanks. <laughs> I love it, man. That's fantastic. Well, you know, and that's that's the thing. You get, um, we talked about all the Christmas events, all the holiday parades that we're doing, and um, people just, you know, we look, we, you know, we just look cool. Uh, and even when you put a Santa hat on top of a stormtrooper or elf shoes on Darth Vader, it's still something that. Uh, that really inspires people, and um, and you don't know how many letters we get like this from from uh, from fans who are not quite 18 years old, and um, they just cannot wait to to join, and they're very upset that we have an age limit. But bear in mind, we do have that age limit um, to protect us from sort of any sort of uh, legal issues. I mean, again, you know, this is a uh, it's an adult club, and a lot of the activities that we do, um, you know, we just cannot be responsible for, for minors. So A lot of our activities are adult in nature. Uh, really, kids. 501st to after dark. <laughs> oh, you got to go to some of the cons I go to. Dragon Con. There you go. There's an adult. Hey. Oh, uh, yeah. See you there next hey, year. Hey, Varza. Hey, Varza. Yes. 
You've got a note yeah. from Laura. Yes, Laura wrote in to us, and I'm not as talented as you, Rich, but um, she wrote to us and said, I am very impressed with your representation at the Toy Drive in Redlands, California on December 8th and 9th. My eight-year-old son was so excited he wouldn't let go of the Polaroid or card that you get him. He thought it was cool that you guys could help Santa out. Keep up the good work. He has us take care of the bad kids. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, it's another another perfect tie-in. You know, it goes back to uh, we're doing so many events, and uh, as we heard in one of the audio clips from the, I think it was the Pensacola Parade a little bit earlier in Mission Reports, um, they actually dubbed us Secret Service for Santa. So, yep. sounds like uh, at least one little kid in California was convinced of that. That's pretty cool. So, in the winter time, we're no longer working for Vader; we're working for Santa. Uh, don't we get a break? <laughs> <laughs> Never. <laughs> Look, kid, you've got one. You've got two choices here: either lump of coal, blaster in the face. Take your pick. Oh, oh gotta edit that one out. <laughs> I said a blaster in his face. That's clean. What do you? Th- what do you think I said? A blaster in his face. <laughs> Come on. I'm not even supposed to point weapons at kids. Come on. We're not. Okay. Whoops. All right, we've got some anniversary wishes to go out. The Dune Sea Garrison, which represents Arizona, is celebrating their sixth anniversary on the 14th. That's two days away, unless you're listening to this late, and then it was in the past. So make sure you send them an email and congratulate them on Woo-hoo. the uh, go DSG. On six years. And also the Aurora Borealis Alaskan Outpost, which was mentioned earlier in the podcast, it celebrates their second anniversary on the 21st. Congratulations. Stay warm. Happy anniversary. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of funny that we've got one of the hottest garrisons in the United States and then also one of the coldest garrisons in the United States, both celebrating their anniversaries in December. The full spectrum. There you go. And to wrap up uh, this episode of the 501st cast, we wanted to say congratulations to Kathy Van Buren again, TK9978 of the Midwest Garrison. She was the winner of last episode's trivia question. Uh, the question was, which member of the 501st is actually an honorary member and a bona fide costume-bearing member? And the answer was Colonel Anthony Toledo, who is ID 5702. He was the drill instructor for the Rose Parade training last year. We hope you, Kathy, enjoy your 501st Legion Prize, which is a copy of the new Karen Travis book, True Colors, as well as some tattoos and stickers and trading cards, which you probably already have. Remember, Kathy, you can't win again this week. Also, to announce the new contest, which we mentioned earlier, don't forget you have to post in the comments section of Episode 4's podcast at 501st.com slash podcast. Question being, how much money in U.S. dollars did we talk about raising for charitable efforts here on this episode of the 501st cast? So go back through and listen to especially the mission reports. Get your total dollar amount and post away as a comment. And uh, we'll take a look at all the answers and figure out who's the uh, correct one. The, uh, the, winning, the winning entry is going to get a 2007 501st Legion holiday ornament featuring the 10th anniversary logo. And make sure you give us that answer in U.S. dollars. And thank you, everybody, for joining us with, for our fourth episode. And remember to visit us at our website at 501st.com slash podcast and our MySpace page at myspace.com slash 501st cast where you can add us as your friend, forward us to a friend, leave us comments and whatever, not whatever else, but pretty much whatever else you want and uh, send us messages. 
And remember, okay. guys, we're aiming for 200 friends on the MySpace page by the end of the year. The rich that goal. Us about almost uh, about two and a half, maybe three weeks to get to 200. So we, we were how many? We were at 140 earlier, I think. So that's only 60. We, we should be able to do it because the last podcast we were at 77 and we're at 140. So we doubled our numbers pretty much in the past two weeks. So we should be able to do that. We shall double our efforts. Yes. And, and our numbers. Yeah, so and if you're listening and you're a five oh first member and you see a five oh first cast wants to be your friend, that's just me trying to find you out there as well. So Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time. Move along. Bye. Catch you guys on the dark side. The 501st Legion is a worldwide Star Wars costuming organization comprised of and operated by Star Wars fans. While it is not sponsored by Lucasfilm Limited, it is Lucasfilm's preferred Imperial costuming group. Star Wars, its characters, costumes, and all associated items are the intellectual property of Lucasfilm. Copyright 2007, Lucasfilm Limited. All rights reserved. Used under authorization. Nice work, Deltas. Thanks for listening to this installment of 501st Cast Classics. We hope you enjoyed reliving news from the 501st Cast's early years. We plan to re-release a classic episode each month, so stay tuned. 